Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. So Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, we're doing our harvest checkup series. Genesis 8, verse 22 says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So we know cold and heat still exist, right? Summer and winter still exist, right? Seems like summer got here a little bit early here in Georgia. Day and night still exist, right? So that means seed time and harvest still exist. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. As we've covered over the last month and we covered, you know, on New Year's Eve as well as parts of time last year, 2019 is a year of abundant harvest. And so to make sure we're all on the same terms in the, to review, we talked about the word abundant means plentiful, in great quantity, fully sufficient, abounding, and overflowing. The word harvest means a season of reaping and gathering. It is the product of labor, fruit or fruits. It is effects, consequences, and the proper season for business. We said this is a harvesting year, but as we're going through the fifth month of May now into the sixth month of June, how is your harvesting going? A lot of times we get excited about the prophetic word of the Lord for the year. We get really turned up, really excited. In January, we remember it. And in February, we think about it. And in March, it's gone. And some of us experience what God promised, and other of us let go of the promise because our faith is not activated on anymore. And so we're doing the series to just check up how is your harvesting going? We've received some tremendous testimonies of abundant harvest already, but I just don't want it to be the people who've sent it in, and I don't want to be a handful here and a handful there. I want all of us to reap our harvest together. Amen? So that's the purpose of the series. And so throughout the Word of God, there is a comparison to sowing seed and giving financially. Knowing this, we should keep in mind the natural process of seed time and harvest when we think of the biblical and prophetic promise of financial harvest. As we've seen in this series, not all seeds are financial and not all harvests are financial. Not all seeds are financial. Not all harvests are financial. Although not every harvest is a financial harvest, there is a great abundant bumper overflowing financial harvest that God wants us to reap. In order to get a better grasp on harvesting, we have to understand sowing and gathering. So we've been covering different things, things to know and do to check up on your harvesting. So in the series so far, we've covered 18. So I'm going to go through the list. Number one, your tithe is not a seed. Your tithe is not a seed. Some people say, well, I tithe. Where is my harvest off of my tithe? Your tithe is not a seed. It doesn't produce a harvest. Your tithe protects your harvest. Your tithe opens the windows of heaven. Your tithe has special rights, but it does not produce a harvest. Number two, gather the fragments. Remember Jesus said when he multiplied the fish into for the 5,000 another time to the 4,000, he said, go and gather the fragments that remain. And that first time he did it, there were 12 baskets left over. Now, people would have missed those 12 baskets if they didn't gather the fragments. A lot of harvest is missed because we don't gather the fragments. We don't pay attention to the details. There was a report that came out, I think, either this week or last week, and it said that, was it $960,000? of change is left in airports across America? Fragments. But then, you know, they say, well, the top 10, but guess what? You know, Atlanta's not even in the top 10 of those who leave money, so I guess we pay attention to our fragments a lot better <laughs> than everyone else. But the thing is, a lot of harvest slips by because we don't pay attention to the fragments. So number two, gather the fragments. Number three, follow the direction of the Lord. Number four, hustle. Work hard under the blessing. Harvest is not for the lazy. That if you expect to reap abundant harvest, you need to work hard. You're not supposed to work under toil and the pain of the curse, but you're supposed to work hard under the blessing. God expects us to work. The Bible says he'll bless the work of your hands. Give God something to bless. God's not going to bless you at home going, hmm, what should I do? God is going to bless your work. Number five, have an excellent spirit. Don't cut corners. You know, when they see you at work, they say, oh, this is an excellent person. There's a person who works hard, not well. They do whatever they can to get by. Have an excellent spirit. Number six, call in your harvest. So keep your mouth right about your harvest. Number seven, praise in your harvest. So praise God for your harvest every single day. Number eight, understand there are different return rates for the different types of giving and sowing. 
Understand there are different return rates for the different types of giving and sowing. A lot of people mix all type of giving together. So, well, if I gave it away, it's the same thing, not according to the Bible. We saw that tithing is not your seed. Now, above tithe, there's an offering. Now, there are different types of offerings you're supposed to give. There's offerings to your local church. There's offerings you're supposed to go give to ministries that God puts on your heart. There's also other benevolent offerings you give to the poor. Where it comes to the poor, the book of Proverbs says that when you give to the poor, God counts it as a personal loan to him, and he will repay it. So for when you give to the poor, it's a one-on-one. You get exactly back what you gave. But there's also other types of return rates when you give as God leads you in this 30, 60, and 100-fold return. So not all giving is the same. And don't mix it up, which is the next point. Number nine, don't mix up your giving. Number 10, give and show mercy to the poor. Number 11, pray for God to reveal to you ways that Satan is stealing and attempting to steal from you. We saw in John 10 when we looked at it a few weeks ago when it says Satan is a thief. That word thief is more accurately translated. He's a pickpocket. So he's not going to steal from you by rushing up to you, banging you over the head, and by force taking it from you. His art of stealing is taking it from you without you knowing you're being stolen from. So that means if he's a pickpocket, he's going to distract you to get you looking over here so he can take something from over here. So if you're distracted in your life, I promise you, Satan's either stealing from you or trying to steal from you. And the only way you can see an you can only find the tactics of an enemy you cannot see is asking God to reveal it to you. I remember, I think Dad Hagen would say it this way, that, you know, if you feel yourself getting really irritated all the time and always short with people, he said, just know the enemy's working on you. Because some people are distracted by being offended. Just upset and mad. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't need to know. But you're distracted by your offense and Satan is stealing from you. Peace of mind, time, harvest, finance, all these other things. Satan has different tactics, and you have to understand, although he is stupid, he is smart. He's stupid because he thinks he can beat God. But he's smart because he's watched people for thousands of years. See, in the Old Testament, they're called familiar spirits. There's certain spirits Satan assigns just to watch family lines. And so they watch, well, if this worked on your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, your great-great-great-grandfather, and your great-great-great-great-great-granny, then this might work on you. And they try the same thing. And until you say, I'm not having it anymore, they're going to keep pushing that button. If you have one button that always gets you into the flesh, say and keep hitting that button until you cover that button or you unplug that button. So that leads you to number 12, understand the spiritual warfare and harvest connection. It says angels do the work or the pleasure of our God, and God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So there are angels involved in prospering believers, but if there's angels involved prospering believers, there are demons who don't want you to prosper. If you are a believer who's dedicated to tithing and giving offering and being generous and being a blessing and walking in love, Satan does not want you to have money. Now, he may understand that if he tries to go all out of salt on your finances, you know it's him. and You take your stand in faith and your authority and you would rebuke him. You would bind him. You would stand in faith. And then he couldn't do it anymore. So if he can't all out take it from you through distraction, he'll try to contain you. So I can't take it from you, but just stay right here. You don't you go to another financial level. And what, how will it contain you? He tries to contain believers through shame. Well, you should feel bad. Don't you see that person down the street? Why do you have all this money and they don't? Well, you know, you must have done something bad to get this money. The thing is, he's not going to go to your thought life. He'll say it through politicians. He'll say it through the media. He'll say it through your friends, family, social media. All for the effort of containing you. And sometimes he'll try to contain you through just like, you know what? I don't even want to be bothered. We'll talk about this later about how the hundredfold comes with persecution. That's people pressure. He's like, you know what? I don't even deal with the mouths of people, so I'm not going to pursue harvest in this area. You know, I had that mindset a number of uh, years ago, certain things like, you know, an area. That's not for now, but I know it's in the future. But inside, I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to prosper in that area because I know the mouths of people and the mouths of media, and I just don't feel like dealing with that. And so, you know, someone come up to me all the time and say, yep, you're going to prosper in this area. And I'm smart enough not to say out loud, I don't feel like dealing with it. Well, the inside, I still have that internal faith struggle. And so one time I pulled up on this property for a conference, and the Lord started talking to me about that area. He says, you need to get in faith for that area because you're going to need that in the future. And so he started dealing with me in that area and said, okay, Holy Ghost, I relent. I won't block it. I'm in faith for that. And I walked into the meeting. And there's the person who's going to speak and the person hosting the conference, and they pick up the conversation where the Holy Ghost left off. I'm like, gotcha. I'm good. I said yes already. Cool. But the thing is, 
I was willing to be contained because I didn't want to hear people's mouths. That is still a tactic of the enemy. He will try to contain you. Don't let him contain you because you serve an unlimited God. And as we said in the month of January, you have Kavu, ceiling and vision unlimited. You can go as far this year as you want to go. Your God has not limited you, but you can limit what your God can do in your life. So understand the spiritual warfare and harvest connection. Number 13, you must use your authority. You must open your mouth and use the authority given you in the name of Jesus and how you're seated at the right hand of God as Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 says. You must bind and you must loose. Number 14, do not faint. Number 15, ask God for God ideas, concepts, and insights. I shared this a couple weeks ago that, you know, as a student, a graduate of Oral Roberts University, there was a book I read while I was there by Oral Roberts talking about seed time and harvest, and he says, God's not going to cause a harvest to drop out of the sky. He's not going to cause a house to drop out of the sky. What God will give you is ideas, concepts, and insights. See, this is not the Wizard of Oz. You're not going to say, oh, I'm believing for a house. Boom. No. And it's not going to fall on your hater either. But how do you get your house? Ideas, concepts, insights that you have to work See, the thing is, my cousin in Detroit is doing a series right now called Hustle, and he says, God is not interested in him doing 100% and you doing nothing. But a lot of faith people, it's like, well, God, I made my faith confession. I sowed a seed. Let, let me sit my blessed assurance on the couch. That's not how this works. You know, like that commercial, that's not how any of this works. There's faith. There's a place for faith. There's a place for confession. But there's a place for you working hard and applying yourself and letting the blessing of God work through you and on you. Number 16, implement the God idea God's way. Because sometimes we get really excited about a God idea and we just rush off and do it. But we need to make sure we do it God's way. Because we take a God idea and do it our way and it doesn't produce the same way. So, oh, I guess it really wasn't from God. No, it was from God. You just didn't apply it God's way. Number 17, don't get stuck at the brook. We talked about how Elijah, God told him to go to the brook Sheriff, and he said, I will sustain you there. I will provide for you there. I'll have the ravens drop off food for you. Uber Eats before Uber Eats was even invented. <laughs> and he says, the brook will provide water for you. But it's a drought, so the water eventually dried up. And the guy says, now I want you to go to Zarephath because I commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. Some Pentecostal spirit-filled, God-loving people is like, no. Well, God told me to go to the brook. And the brook provided for me all these years. So I'm going to stay at the brook. Can I get an amen? And they would have stayed at the brook and died. When God said, keep moving. Too many people get stuck at the brook when they should be in Zarephath by now. Number 18, believe for favor and acknowledge it every day. Believe for favor and acknowledge it every day. Favor is a harvesting factor. So that's enough review. So, you know, Joshua chapter 6 one of the things about when they're going into the promised land, God tells Joshua an interesting battle strategy. And sometimes the battle strategies of God make no earthly sense. He told Joshua, here's what I want you to do. Jericho and these strong walls, you see them? Yeah. Here's how you're going to knock them down. Okay, God. Okay, what are we going to do? You're going to walk around it one time. Okay, then what? Go home. Then the next day, do it again. Okay. Then the next day, do the thing. Do it six days in a row. Okay. Then on the seventh day, here's what you're going to do. Because now Joshua's probably going, all right, what am I going to do on the seventh day? You're going to walk around it seven times. Uh-huh. And then you're going to shout, and the walls will fall down. That makes no earthly sense. But Joshua's a man of faith. So he tells the people, you know someone in that congregation, like, Joshua has lost it. These years in the desert have finally gotten to him. And then Joshua adds a commandment, don't y'all say nothing for seven days. There's probably a lot of wisdom in that. She just go, shh. But you know, they're walking around going. <laughs> but what happened? They kept marching. God told them to do it again, do it again, do it again. And the walls fell down flat. You know, it also reminds me of 1 Kings 18. At the end of the drought, when God told Elijah, I'm going to send rain on the earth, so go tell Ahab. Elijah calls for a showdown between the prophets of Baal and then he, the prophet of God. 
We know the story how Elijah calls down fire from heaven and the people of Israel repent and turn toward God. And Elijah tells Ahab, go, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And so Elijah goes up and he prays. He is praying out the rain. James says he prays, prayed to start the drought, and now he's praying to end the drought. So now he's praying for the rain to come forth, and after he's praying, he looks up to his assistant and says, hey, go look and see if you see anything. And the assistant says, nothing. And Elijah does it again. Say, so he did it again. Y'all can talk back. Say, so he said, he did it again. Second time, nothing. Third time, nothing. Fourth time, nothing. You know, the sister's like, I'm tired of walking. I have all my steps for the day. I don't need to do any extra steps. Fifth time, nothing. Sixth time, nothing. Then it says, go do it again. He said, well, well yeah, Elijah, don't get excited, you know. There's about a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's not much. And Elijah, there it is. And as Elijah took off running, the, cloud, the skies filled with clouds and the rain came. But notice, just like Joshua, he did it again. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. For the fishermen were gone out of them and washing the nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. We've talked about this before, how Simon Peter had opened himself up for a harvest because he let Jesus use his boat. If you let God use your stuff, you have a harvest coming. If you let God use your time, you have a harvest coming. If you let God use your energy, you have a harvest coming. So he let Jesus use his boat, and Jesus said, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Simon answered, said unto him, teacher, we have toiled all night and have taken in nothing. Now, a lot of times when people read through this, they think that this is the first time Jesus and Peter have ever spoken. No, they, are, they have a relationship. He knows that Jesus is a teacher. He's learning from him, but he's not the fully committed Peter we see in later on through this book. So he knows Jesus is a man of God. He knows he's a teacher, but he's like, look, dude, you're a preacher. I'm a fisherman. This is the daytime. There's no fish on the side of the boat. I can see it. There's no fish there. I've been working all night. The fish aren't jumping in any nets today. But he says, just to humor you, at your word, I'll let down a net. Now, Jesus said nets. Peter lets down an old rackety net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. A lot of people preach, oh, I want a net breaking load of fish. No, you don't. Because fish, he's a fisherman, fish represent money. If the net break, you lose money. I want my net to hold everything. And so the net break because of Peter's disobedience, but that's not what we're getting into today. But one of the things I want you to focus on in the story is if God says do it again, then you need to do it again. Peter says, I've already done it. God said, do it again. Joshua walked around the wall one time. God said, do it again. Elijah prayed, but he did it again. If God tells you to do it again, then you need to do it again. There are times when you've tried a certain idea and it didn't work. So you moved on. That's the normal, natural process of what you should do. But there are times where God would tell you, go and do it again. And your mind will go, but God, don't you remember last time? Of course he remembers last time. He knows everything. But if God tells you to do it again, then your faith self needs to do it again. Because as you do it again, it's not going to get the same results as last time. So number 18, if God says do it again, then you need to do it again. Go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Number 20. Question for you today. Have you overlooked an opportunity for harvest? Have you overlooked an opportunity for harvest? What do you mean that? Matthew 17, 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, Jesus' home base, his home city, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, does your master pay tribute? These aren't normal taxes, so don't read taxes where you see here. This is the temple tax. 
that was taken up for the maintenance of the temple. It was not the tithe. It was not the offering. It was something extra they added for the taking care of the temple. Now, remember, the temple is the house of God, right? Jesus is the Son of God. So as the Son of God, he's exempt from this tax. So when the people who took up the tribute said, you know, doesn't your teacher pay tribute? And he says, yes, of course he does. Remember, Peter's quick to talk. So he says, of course Jesus pays the tribute. And so when he was coming to the house, going to Jesus' house, Jesus didn't let him come through the door. Jesus wasn't with the temple people, but the word of knowledge is working. And Jesus said, what do you think, Simon? Of whom do the kings of earth take custom tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter said, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, then the children are free. In other words, I'm free. This is the house of my father. But notice what Jesus says, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. So notice Jesus in his liberality as the son of God did not have to pay this tax according to the law of God. But in order not to give offense to the Jews, he says, we're going to pay it. See, just because you're free to do a lot of things in Christ doesn't mean you should do them because you consider your brother and sister in Christ. And if Jesus as the son of God did not have to do it, but he says, I'm going to do it so I don't bring offense to my brothers and sisters, then you need to have that same mentality. Paul says in his writing, don't give offense to these three groups. There's only three groups in the earth. There's the Jews, there's the nations, and there's the church of God. There's only three groups in the earth, and you can only be a member of one group. So don't say, well, you have to be a Jew so you can be blessed. No, if you're part of the church, you're under the blessing of Abraham. So you're either part of the Jews, the nations, or the church. And Paul said by the Holy Ghost, don't give offense to any of them. And so you have to have that mentality. Although you're free to do a lot of things, doesn't mean you should do a lot of things. And as I was sharing this on Wednesday night, you know, we were, uh, a couple years ago when we were going to preach in Africa, we had a layover in the Middle East. And the thing was, I had read recently that they had problems with Westerners not dressing appropriately and people's shorts, lens, and all the different things. So I told the guys traveling with me, I said, we are not going to offend this country. So although it's hot, and it was hot, we're going to wear, wear full-length pants. They don't have a problem with the T-shirts. We're T-shirts, but full-length pants. Now, you say, well, how hot was hot? Look, it was like 8 p.m. at night. It's like 108 degrees. With the windshield, it was 116. The windshield made it hotter. We are in on the Arabian Peninsula. But why would you do that? Not to offend them. Just because I'm free in Christ to wear whatever I want doesn't mean I should. So that means I put love for people in front of my freedom. And if we really want to win people, we need to put our love in front of our freedom just because you shouldn't, but just because you can eat all the bacon that you want doesn't mean you eat your bacon and you wave it in front of your Jewish brothers and your Muslim brothers. He's like, see, if you got saved, you can have some bacon. Ham hocks, pig feet, pork butt, all of it. Just because you're free to do it doesn't mean you should do it. See, a lot of people start asking baby Christians, like, well, is this sin? You should start there. Mature people should, is this wise? And then beyond this, will I offend my brother and sister by doing this? We have to have that mentality when it comes to thinking about others if we actually want to win people to Jesus. So that's what Jesus was saying here. But then he told Peter, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first comes up. And when you have opened his mouth, you shall find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and for you. So this is how you can supernaturally pay your temple tax. This is how you can pay for me and for you. But a lot of times we read that story and go, oh, that's great. God provided through the fish. The fish went, found the coin, and provided it. But if that's all we see, we've missed an opportunity for harvest. What do you mean? Peter is a fisherman. Fish equal money. Jesus said the first fish that comes up, which means the fish are going to be biting today. So Peter could stay as long as he wanted and keep catching fish because fish were coming. So he could have lunch for himself or sell some more fish at the market. Have we missed opportunities to harvest? Because we haven't fully explored the command God has given us. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. So go back and look over previous instructions the Lord has given you. 
Go back and look over previous instructions the Lord has given you. Look at it with fresh eyes and see if you've missed an opportunity to harvest. 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know your servant did fear the Lord. And the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Now, this is a man of God. He loved God. He was faithful in the house of God, but he was bad with money. See, the people say, well, why does bad things happen to good people? Good people make bad decisions. It's like, ooh, pastor, that's me. I'm bad with money. Well, that's why we have Dave's Ramsey course coming back in the fall. So in a couple weeks, you'll hear information about us, so make sure you sign up. And so the debt is so serious that he left his family with the debtor says, well, I'm going to take your two sons, sell them into slavery, and pay the debt. So she comes to the man of God and says, what am I going to do? And Elisha said, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your handman has not anything in the house save a pot of oil. I only got a pot of oil. That's all I got. Then he says, go, borrow the vessels abroad from all your neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when you are coming, you shall shut the door upon you and your sons and shall pour out into all those vessels and you shall set aside that which is full. So she went forth from him and shut the door upon her and her sons who, poured, who brought the vessels to her and she poured out and it came to pass when the vessels were full. Then she said to her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and live you and your children of the rest. So notice the agency of her deliverance was already in her house. God put super on her natural and it produced abundance. But even after all that oil multiplied, she still had to market. She still had to manage. She had to do all the appropriate business techniques that came with selling oil in those days. It wasn't a harvest. Oh, my debt has paid off. No, God multiplied. God used the agency of deliverance already in her house. And now she has to go work what God has given her. She has to go sell the oil. She has to go market. She's got to tell people, I got oil to buy. Yes, this oil. You want this oil. Try some. She's doing marketing and managing what comes in so she can pay off the debt and live off of the rest. So number 21 is work the God idea and instruction to its fullest potential. Work the God idea and instruction to its fullest potential. Because this woman could have decided, well, that doesn't take all that and still lost her sons, even though God had provided. Or she could have said, well, I'll sell some of it, you know, pay off the debt, and then I'll just live on a little bit because, you know, God just wants me to live on a little bit to keep me humble. No, she, how much she prospered is now up to her. God did everything that was needed. Now it's time for her to do her part. See, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says in the Amplified Version, there is precious treasure and oil in the house of the wise, who prepare for the future, but a short-sighted and foolish man swallows it up and wastes it. Says in the New Living Translation, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So number 22, be a wise harvest manager. Be a wise harvest manager. People miss out on harvest because they squander what comes in. People miss out on harvest because they squander what comes in. I remember a number of years ago, I was listening to Bishop. He was preaching about, you know, everybody's favorite scripture in Philippians. Like, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Everybody loves that scripture. And people's like, well, my needs aren't supplied. And he went, oh, God supplied your needs, but you misspent it. See, the thing is, that promise is already secure. What you needed came in. You just decided to spend it on something else. So you can't blame God. Well, I don't know why my need's not met. Well, this prosperity stuff doesn't work. No, it did. It's just you didn't manage it right. So we love to put everything back on God when sometimes we have to go. Sometimes we blame the devil and it's not him. That the enemy is really inner me. That, you know, it's like, well, Satan did it. Satan's like, actually, that wasn't me this time. You bad all by yourself. I just left you alone. I want to go visit somebody else. We need to be a wise harvest manager. Go to Genesis 26 with me. Genesis 26. Verse 1 says, And there was a famine in the land. 
besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. He had a league with him because of his father had a league with him. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For unto you and unto your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath. Say, perform the oath. Which I swear unto Abraham your father, and I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So notice, it made natural sense for Isaac to go to Egypt, because Egypt had food. But God told Isaac, I need you to stay right here. And if you stay right here, I will bless you. And I'll do all these good things for you. So you skip down to verse 12. It says, then Isaac sowed in that land, the land of famine. Who sows in a land of famine? The blessed man. And received in the same year a hundredfold. Meaning every seed he sowed produced a hundred times. And if that wasn't enough, the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. The New Living Translation, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Isaac gathered a hundred times what he sold. This was an abundant harvest. How did he know he received a hundredfold? He had accounted. He had to manage what came in. He's like, oh, he didn't go up to the field one day. Oh, look, the harvest has come up. Mm. I sense the force is strong with me. That must be a hundredfold out there. No, he had to gather. He had a harvest. He had to count it. One of the Jewish commentators says he counted it so he would know what his tithe amount was. This Jewish commentary further explains that the Philistines asked Isaac to leave because he was wealthier than the king and of all the nobles, and it was an embarrassment to them. Isaac became wealthier than everybody and said, this is embarrassing. You got to go. Now, a hundredfold from a field does not automatically make you wealthy. You have to manage your, manage your harvest appropriately. You have to gather there's harvest you tithe. There's harvest you store. That's savings. There's harvest you sow. That's giving and investing. There's harvest you sell for general living expenses, purchases, and desires. And there's harvest that you reinvest. So what did Isaac do? He grew his agricultural business. He already had flocks and herds, but he bought some more. Now his flocks and herds were produced under the blessing. He hired more shepherds. They continued producing great quality milk, food, and wool. Why did Isaac grow rich? It was more than just a blessing and the abundant harvest. It was he was a wise harvest manager, and he worked what God gave him to the fullest. He could have just kept the harvest. Whoop, I got all this harvest. But he took some harvest and sold it and bought some more cows and some more sheep and some more goats. He's investing in his business. He had to hire more shepherds because he can't do all the stuff he has now because now he has more coming in. He was a wise harvest manager, and that's how he increased. It wasn't just because he was blessed. It wasn't just because he sowed. He managed his harvest appropriately. So that means we have to be wise harvest managers, and we have to research and understand what investing is. We need to look at the trends in real estate. We need to look at the trends on Wall Street. We need to look at all these things so that we can take advantage of what's in front of us through the wisdom of God. Too many people go after get-rich-quick schemes when God has wisdom to show you how to do things the right way. We need to be wise harvest managers. And as I told you about the Holy Ghost last year, that if you really want to know how to prosper in the years to come, you need to look and research real estate. So a pastor worship, I don't know. You talk to the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you. And he'll show you what to do. And so when you keep reading Genesis 26... They said, Isaac, you got to go. You're wealthier than the king. Wealthier than all the nobles. You're just embarrassing. He says, you have to go. And so Isaac leaves. And he goes, the Philistines had, had filled the earths of the wells that Abraham had dug, so they may not have been producing anymore. Isaac undug the wells, and water sprung up. Remember, it's a famine. Water is valuable. But the people in the earth are like, no, 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 that well belongs to us. So Isaac goes and does it again. So he did it again. Another well springs up. 
They said, no, no, that belongs to us. He goes to another one and does it again, say he did it again. Water spring. Wait a minute. This dude is ending the famine. He's produced more food than everybody else. Wherever he goes, there's water. This one blessed man is ending the famine in an entire region himself. And eventually he gets to a well and no one fights him over. He says, I'll keep it and God has provided from here. So Abimelech the king and his general come out and meet him. And they come into a covenant and says, we are not going to be against each other. We're going to work together. Because one of the things I was reading from the Jewish commentators, they said when Isaac left an area, the area stopped producing. So while Isaac was there, the fruit trees were producing. The land was working. But when the blessed man left, the land stopped working. So Abimelech was like, yeah, we need to be on a good side of this blessed man. Because the king, the Philistines said, we know now that you are the blessed of the Lord. They knew Abraham was the blessed of the Lord. But Abraham had died. But it's like, oh, we see the same blessing that was on him is on you. So we want to get in good with you just like we were with your daddy. Because as long as we're on his side, God blesses. Didn't God tell Abraham that? I will bless those that bless you. Now, Isaac is the blessed of the Lord. So the same thing. Isaac, God's going to bless those who bless you. So we're going to bless you and be on your side because we want our land to work. Number 23, make sure you're in the place of obedience. Because God told him, stay here, don't go to Egypt. If he went to Egypt, his living would have been maybe just decent, maybe under par, but it wouldn't have been blessed. See, God's plans are already blessed. You don't have to come up with God and say, God, I want you to bless my plan. If you follow his plan, his plan's already blessed. The place of obedience is where you have to operate. You have to understand that in the place of obedience is where the blessing will be poured out. It's not because God loves you more if you obey. God loves you. You being disobedient is not going to change how much he loves you or how much he desires to bless you. Just know the blessing is to be poured out in this spot. But if you and your all-knowing, all-wise self says, I'm going over this spot, you're going to miss it. You can do all your faith confessions. We talk about praising as important. You can praise, you can dance in disobedience and still miss the blessing. You can talk in tongues all you want. You can do all your faith confessions. You listen to every message you want. But until you get in the place of obedience, you won't get the fullness of the blessing of God. And it has nothing to do with how much God loves you. And it has nothing to do with how merciful he is. It's just about you being hard-headed. You have to make a decision to get in the place of obedience. Whatever God is telling you to do, that is what you need to do. And then number 24, do not be moved by haters. Do not be moved by haters. Isaac could have given up because the Philistines said, oh, we're turning our back on you. Or, you know, they try to take the other wells. Remember, as I said before, when you look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, that the hundredfold comes with persecution. Because he said in Mark 10, 29, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, no more wives, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. He says, all these things are coming, but persecution, which is pressure brought by people, will come with it. So if you let persecution move you from your harvest, you'll give up on it. Jesus saying, the harvest is coming. There's nobody's left this who's not received back from me an abundant harvest. Who's not received back from me a hundredfold. Just know when the harvest comes, there's going to be people who are going to run their mouths. They're going to run their mouths anyways. At least they can run their mouths. Oh, they got so much money now. Cool. I don't know why they didn't give me any money. Well, if you would smile, maybe you get some. So don't be moved by haters. Don't be moved from the blessing. Don't be moved from sowing and reaping just because people run their mouth. People will run their mouth. That's what people do. Some people run it more than others. Some people have advanced degrees in running their mouth. But don't be moved by haters. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's begin to bring this to a close. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll go ahead and read for the sake of time. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he gives you. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command you this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Looks like God is interested in multiplication and increase. 
that your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth but you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he that gives you power to get wealth that's the blessing he gives you power to get wealth say God gives me power to get wealth Notice what Moses goes on to say, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto your fathers as it is this day. So number 25, remember the purpose of the power. Remember the purpose of the power. Moses said here, God gave you power to get wealth that he may establish and fulfill his covenant. Now we see the covenant that God gave Abraham. He says, in blessing I will bless you and in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That is what God referred to Isaac as the oath he gave to Abraham. That's why he said to Isaac, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. This is the covenant. This is the oath. It didn't stop in the Old Testament because Galatians 3 verse 8 says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen and declare righteous the nations through faith, preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So the oath, the covenant is the gospel. And how is Paul summing up the gospel in Galatians? In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The blessing is the gospel. The blessing is the good news. Acts 3, 26 says, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquity. So the blessing begins by turning you away from your sin. So this covenant, this oath is fulfilled in Jesus because in him, every family, every person on earth can be blessed. So this covenant, this earth, this gospel is fulfilled in Jesus and God will empower his people to prosper so they can help get the gospel message out. There is harvest for you. There's harvest to save, harvest to reinvest, harvest to tithe, harvest to sow, harvest to sell, and harvest to enjoy. There's also harvest that will come into your hands that you can give to the kingdom of God so that you can spread the covenant good news of the blessing that's available to Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Remember the purpose of the power. There's some harvest God will bring into your hands. Look, hey, God, what am I supposed to do with that? He'll say, well, I want you to give it to this ministry. I want you to give it to the church. There are times he'll say that. Other times he'll say, well, whatever you want to do with it, enjoy. We just have to be wise enough to know how to ask him, okay, what should I do with what just came into my hands? I remember different times when I remember a small amount came in hand and I was praying, look, God, what do you want me to do with it? And he said, you know, those shoes that you liked in the store, go buy them. He said, you wouldn't buy them for yourself anyway, so here's the harvest, go buy them. I'm like, oh, cool. Other times you say, well, pay this with it and then give the rest of missions. Ask him, he'll tell you what to do. He said, what if he doesn't tell me what to do? Enjoy it. Don't make things deeper than they have to be. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was very effective in his ministry. But when he saw the multitudes, the thousands upon thousands, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. And when he had called unto them his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Number 26, pray concerning the greatest harvest. Now it's good to have a harvest of finances, a harvest of abundant life. But there is an even greater harvest that's people being one to Jesus. There is harvest that will come into your hands so that you can help the greatest harvest ever. So number 26, pray concerning the greatest harvest. Pray for laborers to be sent. Pray for those that they're ministering to, that the hearts remain open, the hearts remain soft. Pray for the rain of God's spirit to be poured out. Especially pray for these things around your house and the 10-mile radius around our church. We need to pray that laborers go forth. We need to pray that the people who are they minister to are open to receive. The people who minister say exactly what God wants them to say. And we need to pray for the outpouring of God's spirit because the Bible says in the time of rain, ask for rain and God will send bright clouds. It is the time for rain and we'll have more rain if we ask for it. There is a rain coming, rain that's already started and a rain that will increase, but we must ask God for it and intercede for it and pray about it. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Who is Paul? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 
So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives increase. Say, God gives increase. Number 27, be a laborer, tell others about Jesus. Because after Jesus told the 12 disciples to pray for the harvest, he sent them out into the harvest. So the thing is, you pray about the harvest, but you also need to be a laborer. One of the things we understand as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was saying that some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. So there's three different individuals God can use, the people who sow, the people who water, and the people who harvest. You know, it's great to harvest and win people to Jesus. It's a great and amazing feeling. But that not, might not be what happens every time you talk to somebody about Jesus. You may be the one who's planting the seed. You may be the one who waters that seed. You know, some of us, it took a lot of watering. A lot of watering. <laughs> Until we told Jesus, yes. But whether you're the one who sows seed, whether you're the one who waters, whether you're the one who harvests, be a laborer for Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. See, the thing is, one of the great things about your testimony, it come, with your harvest, it comes with the testimony of God's goodness and the reliability of God's word. So you should tell others about what God did for you. Now, you use wisdom as the Holy Ghost leads you, you share it. You don't cast your pearls before swine. You don't just throw out your testimony just because you say, well, I'm going to make you listen to it. No. Listen for the right opportunity. And then consider your audience when you share your testimony. Because... You can say certain things in this house of faith, and we get it, but there's certain words you can use that will lose the unbeliever or the person who's not at your same level of word knowledge. So you can say, well, after a long time of intercession and supplication, you know, I got a breakthrough, and God gave me a great wisdom and revelation, and that's how I prospered abundantly. <laughs> we in this house, we get it, but non-believers or young believers go, what? It's like, I heard of tongues. I guess that was it. You could just say, you know what? I spent some time talking to God. He gave me an idea, and that's how I had success in this area. Now what you said has a wider audience. Consider your audience when you tell others about Jesus. And don't be long-winded. Two minutes. Now if they say, oh, I want to know more, then you tell them more. Your job is to sow, water, or harvest. And if you see you pulling them in and say, hey, well, have you made a decision for Jesus? Oh, no, I haven't. Well, just pray this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. You don't have to be deep. You don't have to say, well, everybody around me, close your eyes, bow your heads. No one moving or walking, let's pastor's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not in church. Wait a minute. <laughs> just say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple like that. And you tell, hey, now you're saved. Heaven's your home. They're like, well, what do I do now? Come to church with me on Sunday. Because now someone's got to grow them up. That's what you do. And it's as simple as that. But you have to be willing to sow, water, or harvest. You need to be a laborer. So the thing is, we're all called to do the work of the ministry. The job of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to train the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. The ministers aren't just the people who stand behind the pulpit. It's everyone in the body of Christ. Amen? Stand to your feet. We'll get into more next week. Because remember we said a couple weeks ago, one of the reasons God will give you favor is so that people will want to talk to you and you can tell them about Jesus. You know, I say it all, I say it because I learned from Mary Lincoln, you know, Muslims love me and I love Muslims. All right, God's giving me favor with them. So they want, so well, if they love you, why do you want to talk to them? To tell them about Jesus? Buddhists love me. Hinduists love me. People in other religions love me. People in cults love me. People who don't even think about anything love me. Well, I, I can tell them about my Jesus. That's one of the reasons God will give you favor, so you can tell others about Jesus. You know, pol political officials love me. I can tell them about Jesus and give them the wisdom of the word of God. One of the reasons God will give you favor is so you can tell others about Jesus. And they're more open to hear from you, and they don't even know why. They may not even like you, but they listen to you. So be a laborer. Tell others about Jesus. And we have to think of it this way. Have we really done everything in our power to let this area know about Jesus? Have we? No, I don't think we have. Have we really done everything in this power just to let these surrounding neighborhoods know about what Jesus does here? 
No. Have we really done everything in our power to invite people to church with us? No. Some people here, you are professional inviters. That, you know, when you invite someone and they show up, you're right there with them. See, Pastor, I did what you said. You know, some of you need to spread that anointing to your other brothers and sisters in this room. Because the thing is, if we really believe that God is going to do something on Sunday and Wednesday, we need to bring someone with us. You just keep inviting them. Well, how long do I invite them until they finally show up? Or they say, well, when are you going to stop inviting me? Well, when do you come? I promise you, if you come this Sunday, I won't ever ask you again. And some people will just come to shut you up. <laughs> and they come with that expectation, and the Holy Ghost meets them at the door. And that's only what the Holy Ghost can do. But we have to have this mentality of we're laborers. We're reaping an abundant harvest because Jesus is coming. There's work to do. And if we want to ignite a great awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus, it's not just going to happen what comes out of this pulpit. It's going to happen what comes out of us in our everyday lives. Tell others about Jesus. Invite them to church. They say, well, I'm not even a Christian. That's okay. Well, yeah, we want Muslims to come to church, Buddhists to come to church. We want all types of people to come to church. Ask them to come in. I, was, um, I invited someone to church recently. I did a, a hospital visit, and I was checking out the parking lot. And I was about, hey, you should come to church. And they said, cool. And I said, wait a minute, you're the pastor? I said, yeah. They said, wow, you don't look like a pastor. <laughs> Kurt, were you with me that day? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I can dig it. I'll show off. <laughs> Catches them off guard. I love it. Tell others about Jesus. Bring them in. I was talking to someone else yesterday, and I said, you know, sometimes you just got to tell people about your church a little bit. And they said, well, I said, here's one of the things I love about my church. It's multi-generational. It's every generation in the house. You got Generation Z, you got Millennials, you got Gen X, you got Baby Boomers, you got the greatest generation. We're all here worshiping Jesus together. And they said, you know how rare that is? I know, and I love it. We're not a young people's church. We're not an old people's church. We're the church. So you tell people that. So yeah, it doesn't matter your age. Oh, we'll accept you. We'll welcome you in. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your nationality. Just come on in. You know, we have at least 15 different nations represented here. This is who we are. So invite people. Tell them those things. And say, hey, church doesn't last that long. We're not going to be in church for four hours. Especially if you come at 9 a.m., he has to let you go. (laughs) That's why some of you are like, that's why I come at 9 a.m., you know. He's got to let us go any moment. Now I can go eat. (laughs) So tell others. Invite them to church. Let God use you to change someone's life. Because, you know, when you become a laborer, you become an answer to prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. You know, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app. As well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially support this ministry and what we do here in the Metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.